Now, turn with me this morning to the book of Exodus. I want to read the first 10 verses of Exodus chapter 2. This is Mothering Sunday, or Mother's Day, as it's traditionally called. And usually on that occasion, we think about some of the great women in the Bible. And I have been thinking recently it would be a worthwhile study on some occasion about the great woman of the Bible and then think about the godless woman of the Bible. And of course, sadly, there's a number of them as well. And uh, we're, we're going to be thinking this morning about one of the great women in the Bible, a woman of faith, and that woman's name, of course, is Jochebed. And um, we're, we're going to read a little bit about her this morning. So Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to read together verses 1 through to 10. Let us hear the word of the Lord. Reading, of course, from the authorized version. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said, his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. We'll end the reading there at verse 10, and we trust and pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now turn with me in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to read just one verse of scripture there, and then we'll have prayer. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 11. Not too hard to find. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, 
was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. We'll have a wee word of prayer together. Lord, we want to thank thee for the word of God. We thank thee for the reading of the Holy Scriptures as part of our worship. And we thank thee today that we do indeed have a high view of the Bible. We acknowledge that the Bible doesn't merely contain the word of God, but we're thankful and glad that it is the infallible and the inerrant and authoritative and sufficient word of Holy Scripture. We thank thee, O God, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we ask in Jesus' name that I would let our ears be open even to hear thee speak to us today. We ask thee to accept our thanks for the gifts and tithes and offerings for the work of God. We thank thee for the tremendous offering for February for the building fund. And Lord, we commit that to thee. And we pray, Lord, you'll help us in the work of the building we ask thee to accept our thanks for every decision that was made in Monday night past and for those few outstanding issues that need to be dealt with. And, oh God, we look forward to seeing a, a whole range of different workers uh, in at the building and see it progress on towards completion. And, Lord, we leave it with thee. And if it is thy will, and we're trusting that it is, that, that we'll see the building opened uh, oh God, uh, towards the end of the year. Be a wonderful thing, Lord, if we could open the building even in the month of October uh, to thy glory. Lord, we, we just pray for thy will to be done. We ask in Jesus' name to remember the sick ones and we pray especially, Lord, for uh, Olive. Do you remember Gareth here as well? And uh, we, we think of Sydney too. And pray you'll put your hand upon them. And we Mrs. Marsh. And we pray you'll meet her need, Lord. And we, we thank you for keeping Joanna safe, even in the terrorist attack in London. And uh, we, we think, Lord, of the uh, uh, need there, of the uh, families who are being bereft of their dear loved ones, brutally murdered. And we, we cry to thee, Lord, against terrorism in the land. And we pray that you'll expose evil men. And we pray that you'll bring to light, Lord, the hidden deeds of darkness, even in our own province. We think, Lord, of the, the T-Ban massacre. And we think of the King's Mills massacre and the Enniskillen bomb and Claudie and we, we think of so many unsolved murderers and thou dost know who is responsible and uh, men of blood Lord can, can hide behind uh, other things and we pray Lord that thou will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and expose Lord the deeds of ungodly uh, and wicked men and Lord we look to thee that you'll give some sort of closure and help to those that seek closure and stand in need of justice as far as are we province is concerned we commit our country to thee we pray lord you'll save ulster we ask lord you'll bring a revival of true bible believing religion you'll visit roman catholic you'll visit nominal protestant and oh god you'll turn this land again and its people to thyself we're ripe for judgment but we cry to thee for mercy at this time have mercy upon us bless our queen 
Remember those, Lord, that are uh, have the rule over us in these days. We commit them to thee. We, we, we think, Lord, if it is thy will, that there'll be the uh, restoration of devolution as far as storming is concerned. We, we, we pray, Lord, that they'll deal with the whole aspect of mandatory coalition. And, Lord, we pray that in its place a, a, a proper democratic accountable system will be set up. Lord, we, we look to thee. And thou dost know the difficulties that our leaders face, especially those that belong to thee. Pray you'll give much grace and wisdom at this time. We pray, Lord, you'll come by your spirit and you'll unite our people, all shades of unionism to unite to thy glory. And may the fear of God be upon us. May there be a desire to honour authority in the king. And may there be a love for the brotherhood right across the board. Lord, hear prayer in these days. We, we plead with thee. Just help us now in our time of worship. Meet our need at these days and keep our security forces safe, even for thine honour and glory. And bless every victim, Lord, that's been traumatised by terrorism in the land. And, you know, many bear the mental scars, the physical scars. Give grace and help to them on a daily basis. For we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now my text this morning is taken from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23 and my subject today is the faith of a godly mother. Now those familiar with Hebrews chapter 11 know that it's a summary of the lives of Old Testament saints who loved and served the Lord in their day and generation. And every boy and girl that's here, I encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11. And I know that once you read, you'll, you'll feel excited. You'll be overjoyed. You, you'll be thinking about these great men and women of God. Because Hebrews 11 is all about people on a great adventure with God. Of how God saved them. Of how God used them in many amazing and wonderful ways. How they stood for God, even in the midst of great trial and persecution. Now, Hebrews 11, verses 23 to 29, is all about the period known as the Exodus. And the Exodus is all about how that God led the children of Israel out of Egypt from under Egyptian bondage, using an 80-year-old man called Moses and the blood of a, a Passover lamb. And here the Holy Spirit has summarized the whole story for us in a few verses. And of course, uh, the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage centered really on one man. And that man was Moses. And what a mighty man of God Moses was. He was a great man of God, a good man of God, a man who loved the Lord, a man who put the Lord first, a man of faith, a man whom the Lord used for his glory. But I want to tell you this morning and just remind you that behind the man called Moses, there was a day when he was born. And even though he was born to be a great leader under God, behind the birth of the boy was a godly father and a godly mother. And the mother's name was Jochebed and the father's name was Amran. And, you know, the strange thing is, that the Bible really doesn't tell us much about the man or the woman. It doesn't tell us much about Jochebed or Amram. In fact, um, 
The Bible has very little to say about Jochebed altogether. She's only mentioned twice by name in the Bible. Um, Exodus 6 and verse 20 and Numbers 26 and verse 59. Now, she is referred to in Exodus chapter 2 verses 1 to 10. And um, she is referred to again in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 23. Now, the name Jochebed is a Hebrew name. And the name means Jehovah my glory, or God is my glory, or God is mine honor. Now, now think of it. Whenever this baby girl was born, her parents gave her this name. Now, now what does that mean? It surely infers for us that her parents were Old Testament believers, that they were trusting in the living and the true God, that they were seeking to glorify God and honor him in their lives. And they desired that this little daughter that had been born to them, that she too would grow up to be a, a, a wonderful woman of God. God is my glory. God is mine honor. And there's no doubt that this woman lived up to her name. Because this woman, this woman who eventually became a mother, this woman helped shape and influence her, her three children for God. She had Moses, she had Aaron, and she had Miriam. The three of them were, were great for God. And while there's little information about her in the Bible, given that she's only mentioned twice, I have to tell you this morning, she was a great woman of God. She was a woman of true faith, a woman who feared the Lord greatly. And the uh, Exodus chapter 2 um, emphasizes for us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what the mother did. In, in hiding Moses for three months and then making a, an ark of bulrushes, putting it into the river Nile, putting Miriam there at the right spot to watch for Pharaoh's daughter and all the, the outworking of that, all to preserve the life of little Moses. The story is also referred to in Acts chapter 7, verses 19 and 20, and it's mentioned by Stephen, and he mentions the, the father sort of taking a lead role as the head of the house. And in Hebrews 11, verse 23, the spotlight really falls on the, the both parents, the, the faith of godly parents, we could maybe title it, uh, working in unison and harmony to protect their young son from the wicked edict of Pharaoh and how God wonderfully intervened in the whole story by his providential grace and power. Now, now that's the theme for today. The faith of a godly mother, and there's the text, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Now, four simple little things this morning. The fact of Jochebed's faith. It says, by faith. Now, you children who are familiar with the story of Moses... The story of Moses as the great lawgiver from Mount Sinai to the children of Israel. You can't think about that story apart from also thinking about his parents. Amran was his father 
And as I've already told you, his mother's name was Jochebed. And uh, Moses, of course, had a brother and a sister, Aaron and Miriam. And um, the Bible records, almost incidentally for us, the reality and the resolve of the faith of Moses' parents. Here's a wonderful record, really, of, of a mighty intervention of God rooted in true faith. It says, by faith. Now, this is a real story, children. This really happened. And here's the Holy Spirit's record of it in the Bible. I've read Exodus 2, 1 to 10. In the life of a little child, a baby boy who was named Moses, God stepped in and God proved the reality, the validity, the actuality of the faith of this boy's mummy and daddy. There could be no doubt that the parents were saved. They knew and loved the Lord. They had a real, true, saving faith. There was a time uh, when they came to uh, put their trust in the Lord. You, you think of the name Jochebed. God is my honour. God is my glory. What a name. And of course, let's understand what faith is. Forsaking all, I trust him. And I give you that acrostic because it was given uh, to our young people this morning in the Bible class. And um, true faith has an element of trust in it, that there's an adherence to God and his way and his word, and there's an absolute reliance on him. That's what true faith is. There's a trust element, there's an adherence, and there's a reliance. And when it says by faith, what Jehoiakim was saying, forsaking all, I trust him. Now, let me ask this morning, have you got a real true saving faith? Having a real true saving faith in the Lord is something that's absolutely vital and something that's essential. Now, now, now think of the background. Think of Pharaoh's command here. To kill all the male Hebrew children when they're born. And yet in the amazing providence of God, one of these boys ends up living in Pharaoh's house. Ends up not being fed to the crocodiles, but being fed and nurtured and trained and educated all at Pharaoh's expense. Despite this command to destroy all the male children, which we believe, of course, was the devil at work. And this, I believe, was an attempt to destroy the line of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the flesh. Um, God overruled. God intervened. God worked sovereignly. You see, it's a wonderful illustration of the sovereignty of God when you think of this story. It's a wonderful illustration of how God works providentially. It's a wonderful testimony that God is in absolute control. Could I tell you this morning that God is in absolute control? We live in dark days. We live in foreboding times. Did not Jochebed and Amrod? And yet 
despite the despair, despite the depression, let's remember, as the little chorus says, God is still in the throne. God has never advocated the throne. God is in absolute sovereign control. He is the deliverer of his people. He has a time to work. And God uses people. He uses godly parents. He can raise up godly children. The Bible teaches us a very important principle. Have faith in God. And I want to ask this morning, have you been brought to the place in your life where You forsake all and you say, I trust him. Have you trusted him as Lord and Savior? Have you come to the place where you've accepted, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I've got a soul. Lord, I need to be saved. Lord, I'm I'm, I'm asking Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior. And I'm not only going to take him but but I'm going to trust him as my Lord and Savior throughout the whole of my days. Remember that Luther rediscovered the great principle, the just shall live by faith. And it's mentioned four times in the Holy Scriptures. It's mentioned in Habakkuk chapter 2 and 4. It's mentioned in Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3 and 11, and Hebrews 10 and 38. Four times. Four is the number of completion. Not only are we saved by faith, because the Bible says, uh, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Not only are we saved by faith, but the whole of the Christian life is a life of faith. And what we're saying this morning is when we think of Jochebed in particular as a godly mother and this Mothering Sunday, let's think about the fact of her faith. And ask yourself this question, have I got a true, real, saving faith in God? Notice secondly and very quickly, the fight of her faith. If you go back to the text, it says by faith Moses when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. You see, early in life, Jochebed had a challenge that she had to confront. She understood the command of Pharaoh. This was really a challenge to her faith, her trust in the Lord. A challenge that was really against her faith. What was the challenge? A baby was born. An occasion for joy and happiness. But she was challenged by this edict of the king to give up one of her children. Moses was the firstborn. Imagine what that would be like. Give away a three-month-old baby. Not know what would happen to the baby. A baby that you have uh, carried full term. A baby that's been nursed. A baby that you have rocked at night. A baby that you've fed and changed. A baby that you love. And you know, we should even think a a thought this morning about adoption. And it's wonderful if a a family adopts a child and brings up that child, especially in the fear and nurture and admonition of the Lord. But remember that with every adoption, there's a painful price tag to adopt the child. 
someone had to give up a child. And surely that would be a painful experience. Surely there's a pain of giving up someone or something that's precious to you. But the whole point of the story here wasn't that she was asked to give up the child for adoption. That that's not the idea. The whole point of the story is that the child was to be thrown into the River Nile. And of course it was to be thrown into the River Nile to, to appease the, the, the river god. Jochebed and Amran knew and loved the Lord. As I've said, they were saved. They were trusting in God's covenant promise. And they were looking for the deliverer to come. Now if you go back there in your Bible, look with me at Genesis chapter 15. Here's the first time the promise was mentioned. Genesis chapter 15. And look with me at verses 13 and 14. This is God speaking to Abraham. And he said to Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed will be a stranger in a land that's not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. And thou shalt go to thy father in peace. Then shalt thou shalt be buried in a good old age. Now, now here's a promise. A covenant promise from God. And they were trusting in that covenant promise. For 400 years we're going to be afflicted in Egypt. And then there's going to be a deliverer to come. And then we're going to be redeemed out of Egypt. And then we're going to be brought to the land of promise. And this edict of the king was contrary to that promise. It was contrary to God and to his truth and righteousness. It, it was contrary to, to common sense. Now, now, now think about this for a moment. This decree of Pharaoh to cast the boys into the river. It's explained for us in uh, Exodus chapter 1 uh, verse 22. Um, Pharaoh had in Exodus 1, commanded the midwives to kill the male Hebrews once they were born. They defied him that that didn't work. And here was a, a, another method now he was attempting, uh, throw the boys into the river Nile. And I want to tell the children, this wasn't just about drowning the boys. This wasn't just about getting the boys eaten up with crocodiles. What was, what was behind this throwing them into the river? Well, you see, this decree was really to sacrifice the boys to his God. Pharaoh was a worshipper of many gods, and one of those gods was the river god. He, he believed that there was a deity, a god, who lived in the river Nile. The river Nile was not only a valuable source of water supply for the Egyptians, but it was a, 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 a water supply that they actually worshipped because they believed that there was a god in the river who lived in the river. And, and these boys were to be sacrificed to his God. Isn't it interesting that the very first plague that was sent to Egypt, what was it? It was the water that was turned to blood. Why? Had many Hebrew boys not lost their lives in that river? 
the command of Pharaoh. He was an ungodly, unjust, murderous type of a man. And God was showing to Pharaoh in the very first plague, the river being turned to blood, that the time of retribution had come for Pharaoh and the whole of Egypt. I believe, of course, the water uh, that was turned to blood was a, a real, literal miracle that took place. It wasn't an illusion. It wasn't a red soil being washed down from the mountains into the river. All the water, even the water in the houses and the water pots and in the fountains, they, they all turned to blood as well. And you see, here is this edict of the king called Pharaoh and Jochebed and Amram are faced with a fight. They're in a battle. There, there's a struggle. Their faith is being challenged. This is a perplexing situation. This is a war, a fight between right and wrong, good and evil, darkness and light, God and Satan. And it's interesting that every plague, all ten of them, was a blow against the gods of Egypt. Egypt worshipped many gods. And God dealt in those ten plagues with one god after another. He proved that they were not true gods. He proved that they were not the, the, the living God. That, that he alone is God uh, uh, above all the professed gods of Egypt. Here's a godly wife and a godly father. And they're in a fight to save one of their children. This is a hard time for them. This is a dangerous time. Pharaoh's object, whether he was motivated by fear or envy or whatever was motivating him, was to destroy the soul of the young people. This was a battle for the soul of the children. And I want to say this morning, that going on in the 21st century, the pharaohs of our day are out to destroy the children. You think of the evil of abortion. From the Abortion Act was introduced in 1967. How many little babies, innocent children have been murdered all to the great goddess of pleasure. You think of the introduction of teaching same-sex marriage in schools, even to primary school children. In the education system. You, you think of the booklet that the Humanist Society sent out to encourage the children to read Life Without God. You, you see, there's many isms today. Not only humanism, but atheism and ecumenism and many other things. And there's a fight and there's a battle to destroy the hearts and minds and the soul of the children. And rearing children, of course, isn't easy. Children can't be driven. Children can't be dragged up. But children need to be delighted in. And children need to be taught by godly principle, godly precept, and godly practice. Someone has rightly said in the raising of children, are we raising them in faith or raising them in fear? People are afraid naturally for their children. They're thinking about the next generation. What's going to happen? And here's Jochebed and Amran and they defy every known edict and principle. A command that's wrong for their children. 
And they trust themselves to the Lord. They believe he's able to save. He's able to keep. He's able to deliver. He can lead. He can provide for our child and for the children. You see, the woman's faith was exemplary. It's shown really and greatly in a very dark day. We get asked the question this morning, what do we want for our children? Want them to have a best job, well-educated, a good lifestyle? Yes, but more than that. And I, I say this. We want them to see them becoming men and women of God. Children and young people need role models, not the film stars of Hollywood, not the footballing world, uh, not, not even the pop generation. Do you know what they need? They need godly fathers. They need godly mothers. Godly mothers and who, who have faith in God. I believe when Moses was older and he looked back, he thought about his childhood, he'd be told the story. Do you know, when I was a baby, I was hid three months by my mummy. Put me into a cupboard in a basket. And whenever I got too big for the basket, she made an ark of bulrushes and she put me in the basket as well. And, and I was put into the River Nile. And you never guess who came along, the lovely princess, uh, the, the Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, and she got me out. Uh, and do you know what? She said she was going to take me home. But before she could take me home because I was a baby, she gave me back to, to my mummy and paid my mummy for looking after me. And then when I come a certain age, I had to go and live in, in, in Pharaoh's house. And you see, if we were talking to Moses, it would all go back to his mother. In fact, the Bible tells us here, look at verse 24 very quickly, Hebrews 11. By faith Moses, when he was come to years. Do you know what age he was? He was 40. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to joy the pleasures of sin for sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt for respect unto the recompense of reward. There was a time come, 40 years of age, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, I think not. You see, he, he separated himself. He, he, he sanctified himself. He, 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 he saw and desired the reproach of Christ better than the riches of Egypt. John Wesley had a godly mother. She was called Susanna. And this is what he said. I have learnt more about Christianity from my mother than all the theologians in Egypt. And I believe that Moses could say the same thing. Pharaoh was a godless man, a murderous man. Behind him, of course, was the devil. He didn't want the children of Israel to be delivered. He didn't want a, a deliverer born. And all he did in his power was to stop that happening. I think when the Lord Jesus was born, the same thing happened. Herod, inspired by the devil, wanted to wipe out all the boys that were under two years old or under two years of age in Galilee. See, the aim of the devil is to destroy the children so that they can be slaves to sin and remain in bondage. Do we realize today there's an enemy out after the children? The devil remembers a murderer and a liar. In the midst of the conflict, the soul of the children are at stake. There's a real danger. And the greatest weapon against it, mothers, fathers, is your own personal faith in the Lord. There's a fight of her faith. Notice thirdly and quickly, the focus of her faith. 
It says Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. You see, Jochebed realized that she had a duty and responsibility to exercise her faith. It's not enough to say, I have faith. It's not enough to say, I trust the Lord. Um, because the minute you have faith in God, then that faith becomes active. Um, there's no longer this mindset that I have the ability and the liberty to live and do as I please. She had a responsibility and duty towards the child. She had brought the child into the world. Of course, Moses hadn't asked to be born, but now that he was born, Jochebed and Amram had a responsibility under God to provide for their child, protect their child, and point their child in the way of righteousness. And of course, remember what the Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we read there in verses 6 and 7, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And of course, uh, we, we read in he, uh, Ephesians 6 and verse 1, Children obey your parents in the Lord, uh, for this is right. And uh, we have to have a burden to teach and educate the children in the things of God. And the chief desire of every godly parent has to be that their children are saved. And they walk in the ways of the Lord. And they're, they're, they're motivated uh, to, to that uh, uh, desire being fulfilled. This aspect of being a proper child, what does that mean? If you turn to... Uh, Acts chapter 7 and look with me at verses 19 and 20. Acts chapter 7, this is Stephen speaking. Maybe this is the clearest thought about this. Acts chapter 7. It says in verse 20, in which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair. Now, if you think of Exodus 2, it says he was a goodly child. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says he was a proper child. What did that mean? He was a beautiful little boy to look at. He, he had a lovely complexion. Or, or the, the, the child was special in some way. Think of these words, exceeding fair. In, in the context and in the alternative reading and rendition in the Greek, is this, and was exceeding fair, means fair to God. Fair to God. Now, now that is very, very important. You see, the setting has to be this. 40 years, 400 years of servitude and bondage are now coming to an end. Jochebed and Amrod are keeping their diary. They're good diary keepers. The time's drawn near for deliverance. And after these 400 years, God was to visit them with deliverance. And now, as they look upon this child who's goodly, a proper child, exceeding fair, he's fair to God. What does that mean? It means by a revelation revealed to them by God that they had faith to believe and understanding that this child is the deliverer. 
This child has been set apart by God. This child has been born for God's purpose, God's glory, and God's honor. And therefore, this child is not going to be thrown into the river. This child is God's deliverer. This child is fair to God. And that was the thought. And they laid hold upon that by faith. Remember, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What desire do you have for your children? Could your children not be ministers of the gospel, missionaries of the cross, pillars in the church and community? Your children could be raised up to be mighty men of God. Think of those that were saved when they were young. The late Dr. Paisley when he was six. Amy Carmichael when she was three. You see, they saw this child fair to God. God is a work for this child. They may have had no idea what the work really was or what it entailed or how long it would take. But here's their faith. And it's a factual faith. It's real. And it's challenged. And they face a choice. Do, do we give in to the king's edict? Do, do, we, do we let go here? Or do we say we're not giving up? We're not letting go. We're going to carry on. Because God has a special plan and purpose for this child. Maybe that's the same with you as a Sunday school teacher or those involved in the children's ministry. Don't give up. Don't let go. Carry on that work because God has a plan and purpose for the children. God can raise them up to be mighty for his name and for his day. The Bible says here, was hid three months. And they used, of course, ordinary means. You think of the ark, the ark of bulrushes. Why did they choose an ark of bulrushes? Because they remembered the story of Noah and the ark. How God had performed a miracle in saving Noah and his family by an ark. And she constructed an ark. The Bible tells us not only did she put slime in it, Exodus 2, but she put pitch in it. The word for pitch is the word that's used for an atonement. She used the means that God had given. Her faith is evidenced by her works. True faith is always active. It doesn't sit back. It doesn't do nothing. It's not passive. Um, true, true faith is, is um, something that's, that's seen by, by, by its outworking. He was hid three months. She couldn't push a palm through the streets. She couldn't take him to the park. She couldn't take him out to the shops. She could only hide him in the house for three months. And when he got too big for that, then she had to construct this uh, ark of bulrushes. She, she used means. And we as parents, knew, we, we could use means. The means of prayer for our children. The means of scripture. But, but the means of our own faith. Our means of a, a godly example. Show me your faith. And I'll show you my works by my faith. James 2 says. Now her time is gone, but, but think of the, the, the fruit of her faith. What happened? God preserved the child. God honoured the faith of Jochebed and Amram. And Moses got the best start in life that he could ever have got. What happened? Whenever that little basket of bulrushes was opened, Pharaoh's daughter had compassion in the child. That's the first thing. God was at work in her heart. And then Miriam was there providentially at the right spot. And she said to Pharaoh's daughter, do you want me to get a nurse for him? 
And she went and called her own mother. And when the mother came, Pharaoh's daughter just didn't say, take the child and nurse him for him. She could have. But you know what she said? I'll pay you wages. You see, the Lord laughs at impossibilities. God's in control. And I imagine Moses' mother being paid to nurse her own child by Pharaoh's daughter, even despite the edict of the king. You see, God is able. And, and faith is something that God always honours. Ask yourself as we finish this morning, have you got faith? Have you the ability to trust the Lord even in dark days and in difficult situations? And when your faith is challenged, when there's a conflict to that, then let the focus be on what God is able to do. And trust the Lord and trust your children to him and see God work and see the fruit of faith. May the Lord bless these few words to your heart this morning.